Hey everyone, welcome back to the Matt Report Podcast. This time I'm sitting down with Jason Schuler. You might remember him from Press 75 Theme Shop way back in the day. We're going to talk about some of that experience, what he learned from that theme shop, and what he learned from the product business way back then, and how he applies that to his SaaS-based offerings today. Most recently re- released the Disco app, dsko.app. It's like a social networking site to a degree. You get a profile, you can put in your links, and you can find other creatives uh, on the site. And he doesn't have a clear monetization goal for that. We're going to talk about that. How does he balance uh, projects like that with his contracting work, with the other SaaS apps that he's building? So it's a great, well-rounded discussion. And of course, we're going to talk WordPress and the foundation of using WordPress for your SaaS app. Some fun stuff around that. All right, let's get into today's episode. Hey, before we get into the episode, I just wanted to let you know that I launched a merch store. You can find it at store.mattreport.com. It's the Matt Report hat. It's the Matt Report logo. You can get it on a variety of colors. Uh, You can get different colors, stitching, white, gold, black. You can put that on a different pattern of a hat. All of the sale profits are going to the WP and Up Foundation, supporting mental health and awareness in the WordPress space. If you're somebody who's been struggling with, you know, running your WordPress business, you're freelance, or you just need a little bit of help, somebody to talk to, check out WPNUp.com. They're doing some great work over there, and uh, I'm super excited to uh, support them. And uh, it's pretty fun to put together a WooCommerce store, I have to say. So check it out, store.mattreport.com. I have a long history in WordPress, started WordPress theme business back in 2007. Um, and that's where I really just taught myself design and development, just learning through WordPress and, and the community that was growing uh, back at that time. Sold that business in 2014 and then just went off and started spurring off like ideas and projects and working with startups and doing contract work along the way. Um, so yeah, that brings us to today. Did you get sort of tired of the WordPress industry? I mean, the WordPress theme marketplace, my God, right? I mean, if you were to title what the theme industry is, you could say, my God, especially with page builders. Um, what 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 was it? Yeah, for, for me, it just came down to how rapidly WordPress was growing and what people were wanting out of their themes. So I, I'm, I'm a minimalist in way of design and development and how I go about solving problems. And the theme industry back then just wasn't in tune with what I wanted to build. Um, I wanna say starting in like 2010 through 2014, it really got crazy where when uh, people were working, looking for a theme, they wanted it to do everything under the sun. They wanted it to work with all the 10,000 plus plugins that were available in the plugin directory at the time. And I just, I just got super burnt out on trying to fit in with that, with that line of thinking in way of what people were looking for. So, Was WordPress themes your first online business or first business in general? Uh, definitely my first successful, um, monetarily anyways, like online business. I, I had had some like successful in way of traffic, uh, ideas online before then, but definitely WordPress theme business was the first business that I was able to, uh, make a living from and, and a mm. pretty good living, you know? So, mm. and when you saw the success, I mean, back then, I guess we could argue back then, like the biggest theme success shops were probably uh, Studio Press proper, 
at the time. Right. And right. probably probably theme forest was just like this big mothership looking down at us. <laughs> I mean, what what was going through your mind if you can remember? Because I was in the theme business too. So I remember looking at this competition like, man, yeah. I gotta I gotta get a piece of this. Like there's there's money out there. I have to go get it. Yeah. But it was also very stressful and draining because you just saw people making tons of money and you're like, I, I want to yeah. do this too. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I got I got started early enough where there were only a few people I, I want to say that were just killing it, and that was right. Brian Gardner, obviously, with Revolution Theme before it was Studio Press, and eighty from Woo Themes, and I forget what his initial business was, like some some kind of news theme. Uh, mm-hmm. I forget the official name of it, but I mean, it was those two guys and a few others, you know, and then I popped up with all my video themes. And so I quickly made friends with all those guys and still talk to them today. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it didn't feel like competition, but there was definitely this uh, this feeling that I was all alone because I, I did kind of do everything on my own. And these guys were building their empires of with teams of people and they're putting out themes every week. And, and then WooCommerce came along <laughs> that changed the game entirely. And, and, uh, so I felt like this little guy in this little pond and, and what I didn't realize at the time is that was for me and my personality, that was actually a good thing, you know, and I was stressing myself out trying to, trying to grow bigger and, and keep up with all those guys. And, um, looking back on it, I should have just, you know, stayed small and been content with it because I was, I was doing well as a, as a small theme shop, you know? Now, did you ever, traverse into the free themes through wordpress.org or did you just keep it all on your own? Yeah. I mean, I, I released a couple of themes on wordpress.org and then when wordpress.com came about, uh, press 75 was one of the first shops, uh, along with Brian Gardner and 80 and those guys to, to get in on that. So that was really good for the business. But again, it, it just, it just wasn't, I wasn't feeling it at the time. I was, I was just yeah. burnt out and ready to, to move on to something different. Even with all, you know, years later today, 2019, going into 2020, uh, the even with the the page builder market, I still I still think like if there was like one sat like a SaaS company theme or a marketer's theme that was just killer, it had like landing pages and and it was just mm-hmm. beautiful but well coded. Like I still think that there's a market for niche themes. Is it? You think I'm crazy? I think that's or? the. No, I think that's the key right there. The the niche themes, you know, right. um, uh, I think that's where you're going to make money in themes these days and, and yeah. not trying to cater to just a general theme market. But mm-hmm. if you're building something specific that solves a very specific problem and you do it really, really well, I think that's where, where the market still is for, for yeah. WordPress themes. I see these I see these framework themes that you know they're they they tout all of this super fast super lightweight and it is true like it's lightweight like code and it's you know if you install nothing on the page but then they're built to work with page builders <laughs> yeah. and then what happens is people just go nuts with page builders not to yep. their own fault but you know and then it just skews the whole met you know the whole metrics of lightweight and super yeah. you know clean I mean, so it's a rabbit hole. You give people all these options. I mean, Gutenberg, especially, I, and I think Gutenberg is great. Don't get me wrong, but it does open up that, that rabbit hole of, Oh, I can do this cool thing with this, this new block. And, you know, <laughs> and so right. it, it, it turns like the intention of something good into something maybe a little bit too crazy when, when the end user gets their hands on it. So 
you know, that was, Let's, that was the other thing I couldn't control, you know, as, as WordPress was growing either. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge thing. That was the same, same struggles that I found yeah, in the space was, well, number one, I wasn't a technical, uh, you know, co-founder when I was building themes and plugins, it was just me really working with our agency staff and, and we were just trying to, trying to make a dent in the product space. And, and that was a challenge into itself. But then it's like the whole, you don't control you know, your WordPress.org uh, theme submission experience, right? I mean, you're at the mm-hmm. mercy of a volunteer team plus sort of an overview team. And, and then you have no idea where the where the platform is going. And if you don't have the resources right. to keep up, it makes it pretty much, uh, you know, you're, you're sort of dead in the water at that, at that pace. Exactly. Yep. When, when you look at Gutenberg, do you have the same sort of, uh, you know, awe and wonder in what the platform can do? Uh, you know, for the future? Like, do you look at blocks as like, yeah, this, this really could be an operating system of the web. Do you get that same feeling? Yeah. I mean, Gutenberg does interest me. I, I mean, I won't lie. It's, it's, it's the most interesting thing that has come out of WordPress since I left the theme business. I think it's just a matter of how it was integrated into the platform that maybe I don't agree with. Um, right. It feels a little bit disjointed and, and um, I've always thought of Gutenberg as, it could have, if done right, it could have existed in and of itself as a page builder. You know what I mean? Um, right. And then you slap it on top of WordPress and and you have the complexity of WordPress mixed with Gutenberg, which is an entirely new editing experience. And I get that you have to iterate to, to kind of bring people along, but um, it just feels a little bit disjointed right now. But mm-hmm. I do feel that it it is the future uh, for WordPress uh for sure. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting to see what people are doing it in way of business and how they're wrapping their minds around Gutenberg and, and solving problems with that, with that editing experience. I think it's, do you like doors. it? Yeah. Do you like it? Do you like it because of the, uh, I guess like the technical, the technicality of it, like of, uh, JavaScript and, and sort of being the underpinnings of bigger pieces of technology, or do you like it because it's going to make, hopefully more people use WordPress as a builder. I like it. Uh, or something yeah, entirely it, different. It, it's definitely not the technology for me. I mean, if I were okay. to start looking at Gutenberg source code, it would probably, uh, my OCD would kick in and I'd want to start, you know, <laughs> rehashing the whole thing. But yeah. um, from the standpoint of the editing experience, I think that's what's most interesting to me and what you can do with it in way mm. of, uh, again, solving problems like, um, Advanced Custom Fields just came out with their their Gutenberg block editor. So you can essentially create Gutenberg blocks with Advanced Custom Fields now and and push those things out really quickly and easily. And and I think things like that where you're enabling people to solve problems really easily with an editing experience that makes sense, um, That that's where I kind of get excited to see what the future is. Uh, for Gutenberg. And it's like I said, it's not, I I don't think it's quite there yet, but it's getting there for sure. Yeah. See the way I see, and I'm not, again, I'm not technical, so I'll take, I'll take whatever code just works, (laughs) Uh, you know, you know, at the end of the day, but um, you know, where I see Matt's vision, Matt Mullenweg's vision on WordPress as the, as the operating system of the web and, and more specifically Gutenberg as that driver is even folks like you who are, who are creating, you know, his or her own SaaS companies, SaaS apps, I really mm-hmm. think his vision for Gutenberg is to like 
you know, let's say like you built your SaaS app and you went and you scooped up tiny MCE and you put it in your, in your SaaS app to be the editor. I think he sees Gutenberg as the same kind of modular piece to any piece of software on the web so yeah. that, you know, Hey, you build your next SaaS app, you might scoop up Gutenberg and he gets to say, Hey, WordPress powers 80% of the web because yeah, exactly. he's using the underpinnings. I think the problem with that vision is, is as long as I'm in a WordPress admin, there's no way I'm going to be able to extend that to the masses. Right. And that's why with right. my SaaS apps, I, I completely build a custom front end to WordPress. So you, you won't even know that WordPress is there, but it's, it's powering the SaaS because it makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. And then I create a whole new front end editing experience for that, for that, um, for that framework. Essentially, I'm just using WordPress as a framework. So I, I, I don't think if you're giving somebody uh, the WordPress admin as it is today, as a solution to your, to your SaaS, I, I just don't see that working very well, to be honest. I mean, because sure. your Gutenberg is easy and it's nice and it looks good and, but it's still in that WordPress admin. And um, yeah. I think that's where the fault of Gutenberg is today. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about your, your SaaS, your SaaS companies, your SaaS empire <clears throat> <laughs> as it stands. So let's just rattle off the three majors and just tell me if there's something else that I missed. So you have the, the newly announced Disco app, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's fairly new. That's like within the last month, three months. Yeah. Within the last couple of weeks couple yeah. weeks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I've been you, building it over the last couple months, but yeah, I just right. launched it, I think a couple weeks ago. You have leaflets, leaflets.com. Mm -hmm. And then you have rivet at rivyt.com. And these yep. are your three major SaaS apps, correct? Yeah. And let me preface that rivet is a full on collaboration with a really good friend of mine up here in Seattle, who was also in the WordPress theme business, Christopher Molitor. Um, him and I kind of got together on that one. Cool. So it seems like you have taken the whole niche concept that so many of us focus on in, in the WordPress space and really found these verticals sort of building the, the SaaS apps. What lessons did you learn from your time in you know running the theme shop and how did you apply them to these SaaS businesses? What were the key components there? Yeah, I mean, Rivet being the first one, um, with, with Christopher again, um, it, it was definitely spurred by that notion that we, that we always kind of had this niche in, in, in video centric themes and video centric solutions for WordPress. And so we wanted to take that history and build on that and see if we could create a, a really niche focused solution for creating video centric websites powered by like YouTube APIs and things like that. Um, and so, Christopher and I not being like hardcore full on developers, uh, we we saw WordPress as an opportunity to kind of get that idea off the ground, you know, without having to build something completely from scratch, because the infrastructure is there for managing users and managing pages, and and then we can wrap you know anything else we need to on top of that infrastructure, and so. That's, that was kind of the first lesson of how, you know, you could use WordPress in a different way. It's not just a blogging platform. You don't have to use the admin experience. You can serve up a completely new editing experience just using WordPress as a framework instead of, instead of the editing solution. You know what I mean? So that was the mm -hmm. first kind of take at building a SaaS using WordPress and what you can do with it. And that kind of led mm -hmm. to the others. And then Leaflets was second, came along, right? 
yeah, leaflets came along. Leaflets is something I've always wanted to do uh, in form of SAS. So the first iteration of leaflet, leaflets was actually a uh, flat file CMS that you could download and install just like WordPress. And there were templates that were bundled. So it was had nothing to do with WordPress. It was built completely from scratch. Um, and it, it just didn't catch on the way I had expected. Uh, but I always had this bigger vision of maybe people just want simplistic landing pages, like single page, a single page experience for launching a book or a newsletter. Um, and that's why I rebuilt leaflets using WordPress. But again, you know, adding that that custom front end editing experience on top of it. So and then Disco came along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also powered by WordPress or did you also, take a stab at something else? No, Disco is like in my eyes the best iteration like taking what I've learned from those two previous experiences and and creating in in my head right now like the perfect experience and and what I wanted to achieve with Disco using WordPress. So like the, the experience of onboarding to creating profiles on Disco and, and just browsing the, the site entirely, um, it's in, in my head one of the best things I've ever done in way of utilizing the power of WordPress to manage the content, but also creating a seamless, like fluid front end to that, to that experience. So, And uh, WordPress... Powering these three, do you find, because God knows by the end of 2020, you'll probably have another two SaaS apps. <laughs> do you see yourself <laughs> continuing to use WordPress as the base or? I don't see why not, you know, and I do get okay. a little flack for it. So I will say that and people are like, what, why is this, you know, why did you choose WordPress? What are you doing? And it's like, well, I mean, use the tools that enable you to build things. I mean, that's, that's my answer to that. I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Uh, not that I couldn't build Disco uh, from scratch in and of itself, um, but WordPress just makes it so much easier for a person like me who's not, you know, officially schooled in development. And um, I have this history in WordPress. I, I know it through and through. And so I can utilize the infrastructure that's there. And, you know, um, to be honest, I mean, it's it's solid, you know, from the standpoint yeah. of managing users and when you look at disco and what it actually is it's it's users and profiles profiles being right. a custom post type you know um mm -hmm. so it just makes sense and then everything in the profile is just custom metadata so mm -hmm. i mean wordpress is already set up to to manage all that stuff really really cleanly it's, so it's so. safe to say that the entrepreneurial bug the creative itch is just burning all over you <laughs> like it is a yeah. it is a rash that is just covering your entire body and you can't stop um how do you balance at least these three let alone the, the other side projects that you're working on how do you balance the vision and, and the time and effort you put into these at least these three projects um it, i've actually come to balance it really well with because i will say my personal life and and uh, spending time with my kid and and being there and kind of being that stay at home dad that that she doesn't have to see me gone for most of the day and then just home at night and <coughs> that's that's really important to me because i've been there since my daughter was born and and so i really do try to maintain that balance so like this microsoft in, in culture contract that i took on this last um, four months or so um, it's a 20 hour a week contract. So um, mm -hmm. it leaves a lot of time to just kind of play around with, with other things like disco and leaflets and, and rivet. 
Um, Rivet is self-sustaining at this point. We're really not doing much in way of Rivet, uh, like continual development because it exists. It's, it's being used. It hasn't taken off um, like we had expected it to, but there's still some opportunity there. So we're just kind of uh, feeling it out and just letting it sit and seeing how it gets used. And, and if something comes up for rivet, that'd be great. And same thing for leaflets. It's just kind of out there. Some people are pulling, creating pages and, and, um, the people who do create pages on leaflets, they get it and maybe they tell somebody else. And, and so there, there's a little bit of traction there, but again, it's, it's finished. I don't really have much in way of, uh, time that goes into leaflets from a day to day. Um, and disco is more just curating profiles as they come in. So, mm. um, but I do see like a grandiose future for, for disco, especially, um, I do want to do quite a bit in way of like API uh, connecting APIs that so you could run a newsletter through disco, or you could maybe even sell a product through disco. You know, there, there's those kind of things that kind of come to mind as people start using disco and, and seeing what kind of profiles are being created. But back to like balancing, um, I feel like I have enough time on top of the contract to kind of balance with these side projects. Um, and um, for the for the plugin that I'm working on, I've actually found a developer that was willing to work on um, the landing kit for uh, just fifty percent of the profits. I was like, okay, if you want to build it, you know, I'd be happy to market it and build a page out for it. If if you build it, I'm willing to share those profits fifty percent. And so, Phil Kurth, who is a developer, WordPress developer in in Australia, he kind of uh, latched onto that, and we kind of made a deal for building out this plugin. And so. I balance in those ways, like finding people to help or partnering with people and, and offloading some of the work that I would have to do to get these things off the ground. So you would probably align more with uh, a Paul Jarvis, if you're familiar with Paul. He's probably yes. not that far away from you. Uh, yeah, whereas you're not look, yeah, you're not looking for this big, you know, exit or, no. or even even branding or running an entire company, like you enjoy the creative process. And I would argue to say that the personal brand is maybe what drives the entire umbrella of, of offerings. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say it's been like a, it's been like a transition period between 2014 and selling that theme business, which was sustaining me like full time. I didn't have to do mm -hmm. anything. That passive income was just coming in. To now, I mean, 2019, I've just been experimenting, experimenting, experimenting. And with each experiment, I will say, like, there are doors that are opened, you know, and you don't know what it's going to be. Like with Disco, I never intended it to be a business of any kind, but so many people have reached out and said, oh, what are, what, what are your plans for Disco? Would you be interested in collaborating on this concept or that concept? And so you don't know what kind of doors are going to open by put, just putting things out there. And I think that's what keeps me going in way of just putting stuff out there and seeing what happens, whether it's successful or not, it doesn't matter because it, it definitely opens those doors and it keeps you kind of fresh and relevant and, and people kind of latch on to, oh yeah, Jason's releasing something new. What is it? Let me check it out. You know, yeah. and um, you know, it just, it, it leads to opportunities. I guess that's what I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't remember. I have a terrible memory. So I think it was maybe Seth Godin where I first heard it, but just like this practice of doing things out in the open and not being afraid of either criticism and even more 
particularly afraid of failure, right? So don't let that stop you because when you're doing things out in the open, you can test ideas, ideas a little bit more freely, right? You can make a tweet. And if people latch onto that tweet, you might take that tweet and turn it into a blog post and talk about that idea yeah, a little bit more exactly. and see if it unravels. And then, and then if people are really starting to say, Hey, that's a, that's a great concept. I think we could really use that. And then you can build your like version one or MVP and yep. start to do things. Um, so that's a pretty cool, uh, uh, approach. And that's one that, you know, I adhere to, uh, you know, a lot yeah. with a lot of the stuff that I do. I mean, this is exactly what happened with this landing kit plugin uh, that Phil and I are, are building. I it, I had built that solution into leaflets for serving up custom domains, like pointing custom domains to a page in WordPress and not seeing leaflets.com slash some page. You would just see myraddomain.com, you know, which mm -hmm. loads that page. And so the concept of, of creating functionality in WordPress without having to use multi-site to, to serve up domains that are mapped to pages. Um, I, I was curious to see if that would catch on. So again, just throwing a tweet out there, would you be interested in this? And there was a ton of interest, surprisingly, <laughs> for people who just who want to do exactly that. And that's what led me to be, all right, maybe there's a plug in here. And that's what led me to you know tweet out I'm looking for a developer and and Phil was was happy to join on and now we have a, a beta beta plugin out there that's being used and should have an official product within the next month. Have you found a way and this might be a curveball question or maybe you have a, a great answer for this. Have you found a way to kill off a project? Like you've you've realized, boy, this isn't getting the traction I deserve. Yeah, I mean uh, so like Chris and I with Rivet, we're, we're kind of going through that process now of whether we want to continue with Rivet or whether we want to find somebody who wants to kind of take it on and, and offload it. I'm, I'm kind of playing around with the same idea with leaflets too, um, because mm -hmm. I, I do want to keep, you know, iterating on new projects and if something's not working out and, or maybe I'm just not giving it the time it deserves. There is that concept of, oh, maybe somebody else can take this on and utilize it and maybe transform it into something that I hadn't thought of. And so I'm, I'm toying with that idea of, of, you know, offloading those two projects so that I can focus on uh, new, new things. Yeah. Um, where, do you find yourself, I, I know everyone loves to use labels, but <laughs> do you label, label yourself sort of like a WordCamp goer or more like a microconf goer like where do you reach out for your support <laughs> group is it is it more wordpress more microconfy like what is that cuz i'm in, i'm just generally interested of exploring the two camps and some yeah. of the crossover that we that we share yeah i mean i i definitely used to be a wordcamp goer and i will say like that the wordpress community um i mean through the years it's always just been there for me um, and it's, and it's cool to see that it's still there even after I abandoned WordPress in 2014, you know, <laughs> I full on abandoned it. I just said, I'm done with WordPress. I'm never going to create anything with WordPress again. And here I am back in WordPress again, you know, in, in 2019 and the community is still there and I can still tap into those relationships that I established, you know, back when I was doing themes and all those word camps I went to and all the <coughs> folks that you talk to in the halls, you know. So I will say like the, that experience of going to WordCamps and meeting people, um, I mean, I, I, I cherish the history there. But that having been said, I would love to just 
uh, I've been going to different types of conferences lately, more in the design realm, more in the podcasting realm. Uh, with Rivet, we've been going to like YouTube meetups and it's it's interesting the diversity diversity you find in, in the type of people who go to each of those conferences. So yeah. kind of getting out of my comfort zone and saying, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and, and do different conferences and not just, you know, pigeonhole myself into design or WordPress. Um, it's it's really cool to see the different types of people who are just out there creating things for these platforms. Yeah. I'm a big believer, you know, in the, uh, this phrase, and I don't know if I was the first one to say it, but I'm sure other people have said it far before me, but uh, the blue collar digital worker, right? Somebody who is, you know, it's, it's not a big organization. It's not this massive brand creating software. It's, you know, one or two person shops like, like you that's just out there doing some good work, putting together a good product, uh, and, you know, trying to be an alternative to a Wix, you know, or a Squarespace that you might turn to for a small profile page, you might turn to leaflets, right? Or, yeah. um, you know, Rivet or something like that. Um, even Disco, right? It's like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to find an alternative to Instagram or a social media network that I just don't want to be lost in. And, and adopting Disco early on might be an advantage to some folks. Um, and what I see in the WordPress space is a lot of consolidation happening. Right. So even like when you get out in 2014, mm-hmm. I'm starting to see more theme shops get scooped up and even these little smaller plugins right. being bought up by hosts and things like that. Um, yep. What's I mean, do you have a prediction? Do you have a lay of the land for smaller SaaS offerings? Like, do you see bigger organ- organizations turning to the the small solopreneur and saying, hey, we'll adopt your app or uh, yeah. well, especially as you explore that right with these other two products? Yeah, I mean, it seems to be a growing trend for sure. I mean, I, I can count on on three hands probably the number of companies that have been bought up by like GoDaddy's and and um, you know um, the company, the startup I worked for, Plasso, right out of the theme business, was bought up by, by GoDaddy, and GoDaddy has purchased a number of WordPress centric businesses since then as well. So it does seem to be a growing trend. Um, I have a, uh, acquaintance, Mike McAllister, who I've known for, for ages, you know, atomic blocks was, uh, bought by, um, um, WordPress engine and, um, a number of other little things like that. So I think anything Gutenberg, anything that solves a, a problem in a good way is definitely a target for something bigger, uh, wanting to take it on. Um, so I could definitely see that happening more and more as WordPress grows and and people are doing more interesting things with it. Do you feel like, you know, that, you know, even folks like Mike, I mean, I've talked to Mike before in the past and, um, you know, I, I, I see a lot of this and even Brian, right. When you see them, Brian from studio press, when you see them get acquired by these big brands, uh, and you just know, like, well, that's only going to last a year, yeah. <laughs> you know, because, <laughs> because, because the burning rage of entrepreneurship, I just don't yeah. think people can detach from that, you know, unless you were getting massive paydays, right? Massive payouts where you, you are contractually obligated to stay with that yeah. brand for five, 10 years. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Whole yeah. I mean, I will say all the people I've talked to who have been bought out by companies like that after a year, they're like, okay, ready to go do yeah. something else again. Right. But that's what comes with those buyouts, right? You're contracted sure. either a year or two years, 18 months, whatever the standard is. And you get a paycheck, you know, to, to, to essentially consult 
along the way as they, you know, acquire your product and, and kind of fold it into their ecosystem of what they already have. And some people, um, I, I don't know, they, they become fulfilled, but it, it seems to be on the lesser side of, of the number of people I've seen get bought up uh, and work for a company. They're usually wanting to escape after a year or two, it seems to me. Yeah. Yeah. Last question here. What do you think is fulfilling you? What, what, what makes it at the end of the day that you are just happy with the work that you produce? What is that thing that says, you know what, this is, I'm doing, I'm doing the work I, I want to do. What, what is that for you? For me, it's, it's still the ability to put something out there like disco and see the response, you know, and, and people get it and they understand it. And, and I'm getting praised for the, the UI UX work that I, that I um, put into something like that. And it's, it's a reminder that I'm still relevant, right? <laughs> I think we all strive for that. Like, oh, wow, you know, that's, that's a really good, really great job. Everything you did on disco from start to finish the way people are onboarded um and the entire experience just just using the app um it's been praised and and i take that and and it definitely drives me to want to learn and build on on this foundation of projects and and side projects and businesses that i've that i've put out put out there now because as people see value in what i'm creating i think that's what what drives me. I want to create things that solve problems for people. And as long as that's relevant and, and people are kind of pulled into the things that I'm creating, I, I don't think I'd ever be able to stop. <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome. Uh, I lied. One last question. Sure. What's the new Ye- new year's resolution as we are uh, quickly approaching 2020? Is there a new year's resolution for all of these businesses or heck, just another project <laughs> that you're going to launch in January? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to decide. Like, I'm at a, I'm at a crossroads right now. I have a I have a great contract with Tenup, which is a huge um, agency in the WordPress realm, and I've been working with Microsoft for the past four months, you know, uh, half time, and I am getting something out of that that I'm I don't get mm-hmm. from doing my own thing and being on my own, and so I'm at this crossroads of of trying to figure out whether I keep going the way I'm going and building my own projects, or I give myself maybe for a year or two or three to something bigger, you know, and, and, and go work for the, the Microsofts and the 10 ups and, and kind of take that on full time. Um, so that's, that's the crossroads I'm at right now is, is just trying to figure, navigate that and figure it out and decide, yeah. you know, which, which realm I want to be in for the, for the short term, I want to say. Yeah. Well, you put out a lot of awesome products. I've been following you for years. Um, I oh, wish thanks. you all the best with everything that you that you have going on. Where can folks find you to say thanks? Uh, Twitter is the best place. Um, Twitter.com, Jason Patrick SC. Um, or Disco. I'm on Disco too. Disco.app slash Jason. D-S-K-O dot A-P-P. That's probably what is that the number one SaaS app you want people to go to? I'm only going to let you want plug one. It's it's <laughs> it's the kidding. one. Yeah, Disco is again no monetization strategy, but it's the one that yep. holds my heart right now for sure because I I don't know it's just it's like a little playground for me. So if if you want to support Jason and his hopes and dreams, just plowing ahead with a monetization free app, <laughs> go ahead <laughs> and sign up to dsko.app. It's pretty cool. I have I'm I, I'm going to do it right after this call. I mean, I've been telling myself. Right. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it (laughs) and sign up. 
Everybody else, it's MattReport.com, MattReport.com slash subscribe to join that mailing list where one day I will send you an email. I swear to God, I haven't sent one email all year if we want to talk about uh, content marketing failures. That's definitely one of them. We'll see you in the next episode.